With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. counties through its programs journey into womanhood girls mentoring life skills for teens and parenting education coaching to get involved with programs volunteer or donate visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org follow us on social media facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowerment j-a-x Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Yeah. I love my HBCU. Uh, and boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah, yeah. I love my HBCU. Yeah. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Well, just a minute. Not not so fast. We have Roy Evans, man. We got him to come from behind the camera. This doesn't happen except on special occasions. We should have Mike dropping in as well. He's out on assignment. We pushed Charles out there to go do his thing in Mississippi. He's doing the three-peat pregame show. So we're making sure he gets all the behind-the-scenes information. So when he comes back to us, there's no question. We can get all that information and plus some. So welcome. Roy, how are you doing today? 
you on mute there, man. We see, we see so used to being behind the camera. He on mute, so excited. Look at it. Cleaned up and everything. In the studio. Let's try it again. Uh, I had the wrong, I had the wrong microphone selected on my input. <laughs> I know what you do. I know you, you got it all going on, but how's it going? Besides that, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Just, uh, you know, loving this thing that we call the HBCU sports season, getting ready for football. And <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we hold, we, we still have a season coming up. Well, you have put together a mega group of individuals that are going to be delivering at HBCU sports content. And from what I understand, you're not finished yet. So people need to just stay in the loop and make sure they understand what's going on. So obviously the king of live content on the field is now quickly becoming the king of live content off the field talking about HBCU sports. What do you say? Well, you know, the first thing I'm going to say is that it's not a big thing. You know, we put this thing together. You, uh, you play a huge part in that. You know, people talk about it. Yeah, we, Brian and I started the process some years ago, but um, you know, Hey, just like when uh when Belichick took over the took over the Patriots, started a twenty year dominating football dynasty. You know it. it we we've been working at it for years, and it, it, it took us picking up a picking up a Belichick and a Brady. You know we got you. We got that role in the one with you. So hey, we, we got to do what we got to do. So it's time to time to win some championships, as we like to say. Man, you too nice. You too nice. Like checking the mail, and all I can say is, man, I appreciate giving me opportunity to invest in your vision and you keep returning those dividends like you're doing, trust me, I'm the one that's going to be extremely happy. You just keep it coming. So for everybody out there, if you want an opportunity to invest in BCSN, uh, send a message uh, to Roy and he will give you all the information you need because this is a growing platform and all of us can eat, but it's up to you to decide if you want to be a part of that. With that being said, welcome to episode 164 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Radio show and podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU diaspora, all things HBCU sports. For institutions large and small, from NAIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the business of sports culture, and that's HBCU sports culture. And we're going to have a little quick dialogue about that because I want to get Roy's perspective because he's been in it. And HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, as he's tuning in. We got Roy Evans on the mix with us, bringing us live from the studio where all it goes down. If you're ever in Atlanta and you want a tour, man, check him out. See what he can do for you. You know, there's a lot of busy work, so you got to get on the schedule. Don't just show up because uh, he might put you to work. That's one thing. And the other thing is, you know, you got to make sure you're not interrupting the flow with all the work he's got going on. But I'm sure he loves to show out the place because some people seriously need to look at doing rentals and things of like that. Those opportunities are available. Uh, just check, check him out. But with that said, we are filming from our home studios. And in, when I say we, in this case, I should say I'm filming from my home studios and sending a signal live to Caseways 1230 AM studios with Texas Radio Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Mike is on the road as he chimes in. We'll let him get set up and let him Come on in uh, as he gets going in the first part of this segment. Uh, and then I want to chop it up. Before we get into some particulars and the question that I want both of these individuals to opine on, but particularly Roy, I want to give a special moment of silence uh, to Ralph Cooper in regards to the legendary pitcher that we lost today, uh, former J.R. Richardson of the Houston Astros uh, really ran into some tough times when he was with the Astros after looking what would be a promising career. He resurrected and still did good, did many things. And people would say, well, this is outside the HBCU connection. Not so fast. He actually was a, a pitching coach for the Texas Southern Tigers with uh, Candy Robinson, the late Candy Robinson, a two-time tournament champion with Texas Southern uh, University before the current uh, coach has taken over and continued the legacy that he put together. So wanted to get that out there for many people in regards to what it looked like. And then wanted to take a moment as well. You know, we talk about this being a family and uh, as well it is, 
Um, with that being said, uh, we have to give condolences uh, to Charles. While he's putting in work, he's also dealing with the loss of a neighbor and a friend, if you would. Sheriff Vance was a close family friend and neighbor of uh, Charles Bishop, you know, our co-host, the co-host of the pregame show, um, and the family has lost Sheriff Lee Vance uh, of uh, Hines County. I was sheriff there. Family to many folks, including Mealy, uh, to Jackson State University in the pregame show. So wanted to give condolences out as we do that. And for anybody uh, that has lost loved ones during this tough time that we're going through, we want to make sure that you understand that our prayers are with you, including all our lab lecture listeners that are out there in terms of that space. So I wanted to drop that. Um, and we have Brother Gerald Wayne Joseph um, in terms of that. And we lost a fraternity brother a while ago, and we're trying to honor him raising funds, uh, great Texas Southern University. I know it still weighs heavy on Brother Joseph's part, including mine in terms of Brother Pierce. So um, can't ever say that alone. That was one of the first um, individuals when this COVID-19 was taking place, one of the closest individuals that I had heard uh, that had a personal connection with me that lost their life due to COVID-19. So uh, these things are going to full circle. So with that said, this is another reason for those I believe many of those that follow us understand the importance of that, but share the word, encourage those that have rational reasons or why they're not doing the COVID-19, um, but uh, seek to see if you can dispel some of those things and encourage them uh, to take the vaccination in terms of being safe. And at the very least, or in addition to, let's continue to wear the mask and uh, protect people out there uh, because this is uh, going to affect literally the world, which means the Afro kind of diasporic connection is there, which means ultimately it's going to affect us and our family and friends. With that, Mike, welcome, man. I appreciate you, man. You long in the tooth on the road, and I see you got it done and got in here. So we appreciate you as you setting up. Man, it looks like you you do nice for the family, man. You got a nice little hotel room back there looking good. You, you, you know how to splurge a little bit. Hey, that's good. Oh, yeah, we've been on the road for about almost about eight, nine, uh, nine hours, give or take. So just getting settled in. So, uh, no problem with that. Make sure you tell my sister, Kim, that I appreciate you. I know she's giving you a little time and we're not going to keep you past that hour and make sure you can take care of the family business, but tell her the love is there. And we appreciate her making sure that, uh, you give us a little bit of your time to talk about HBCU sports for the lab listeners out there. Let me give them a shout out. Uh, while we're doing that, to make sure that everybody's paying attention. I know Kim is a lab listener, too, so shout out to her uh, in terms of she's making sure we get all that appreciated love. Chuck Hunt, Lonnie Shaw, A.T. Aggies. Man, I tell you, Aggies, Aggies, Aggies. Kay Johnson, time for class, no doubt. Arby Parker, Alabama and them, them Bulldogs. Time for the lecture. Let's get it on. That's what we say. Who else we got out here? William E. Davis, Reginald Johnson, Chuck Hunt. Oh, she gets a shout out to Bammy Hall. Yeah, I hadn't heard Bammy Hall in a while. Texas Southern, great there. Who else we got in here? Michael Lee is in the house. I owe you a call, Michael Lee. I'll give you a call. G Boone Holly behind the scenes, making it happen for us in a lot of ways. Big time boost at Prairie v and University, both the band and the sports programs. Always also, giving us those great Also tailgate, tailgating extraordinaire. No doubt about it. Yeah, that 3P tailgate group, boy, is famous. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit because this is the 25th anniversary of the PV tailgate that everybody recognizes. I got some shirts that I got specially designed that I need your approval for, Mike. Make sure you get that in. Uh, Belinda Johnson, Michael Ford, Karen Griffin, representing Tuskegee and Clark Atlanta University, no doubt, out there on the West Coast. Hello, Lab Fanatics. That's right. Lab Fanatics, get in here. Mike Ford. Ready for the lecture? I see you, Mary Allen. Martin Dale Rodgers, appreciate you. Who else we got in here? I told you about Brother Joseph, former president, Alpha Eta Lambda, chapter of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Yeah, Roy, you know them Alpha brothers, boy. We deep. Don't get it twisted. We'll come get you. We'll come get you. We're we every, we everywhere. Brothers of Phi Beta Sigma, they, 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 they deep too. We got, we got the man behind the scene. I just told you about G. Boom Island. You know, we let him in long time ago. So he told us that y'all are right. So you good. As long as you good with him, he checks you out. You good with us. Jalen Riley on here. 
What else we got? Who else we got? Come on in here. Come on here. Dwight Moore, Willie Alex Hine, LaShawn Harris. You know, we don't get to do this every week. So I want to shout some folks out, show them love. Uh, man, our numbers are increasing weekly. So we appreciate that uh, in terms of what's going on because we know you all want the HBCU news. So this is what I want to put out on the table before we get into this first break. And I'm going to start with you, Rob, because I want to see, because you had this thing. So, you know, a lot of people are jumping on the MEAG in regards to it's going to disintegrate. And, you know, I have to come on here, it seems, every week and talk about not so fast. These are some of the things you got to look at the total landscape. But credit to the MEAG fan zone that is still um, working hard. And you got a lot of interlopers in there that come in there and check out the HBCU scene. So some people are getting into this MEAG. So somebody put on there the SWAT culture versus the MEAC culture. So, you know, I like the idea of that, you know, uh, as a sociologist that practices some of those research genres as well as Africana components of uh, those research ideologies and theories that are out there, as well as the business side of that. And so I took this and was like, man, this is what I talk about in some of my research in my books, the HBCU sports culture and trying to people get an understanding of what that really means and what that looks like. And then there's the institutional culture of each HBCU, which is individualized and very specific based on the region, history, public, private, and those kind of things. What conference alignment they may have been a part of, uh, currently a part of, or what they may be joining. That history is extremely important. Uh, then you obviously have the regional alignment, state history that's associated with the culture. You have regional uh, history, obviously the Africana history, Black culture history that exists in one of that. And so, but I was opining the fact that I believe each of these conferences have their own cultural history. You know, and obviously it's a bit blend of a lot of those things that I just mentioned, but each of those have the history. Well, this is the question, and you can start off whether you agree with my premise there or not, um, and then we'll set a course on that. But with embedded in that uh, is the question, was there ever a real cohesive MEAC culture that exists since the 1970s, unlike the history in terms of SWAC starting in 1920, uh, the history of CIAA in 1912, the history, right, of the SIC in 1913, um, the history, for that matter, of Mount, you know, Midwestern Conference, you know, in the 1920s and some of the other conferences started. Is there, was there a true cohesive cultural history of the MEAC starting in 1970? What are your thoughts on that, bro? Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a deep question, man. You know, the, the reality, I would have to Hold say on, I'm gonna, this is what we're going to call the official tease. We're going to tease. Mm -hmm. I like that because we're going to people. So the lecture is out there. We're going to tease. We're going to let it set him up. He's about to break it down to y'all and give you an answer. <laughs> yeah, you like that, Mike? You see how I did that tease? I'm gonna, stick with me. Stick with me. I want to see the lather up. I want y'all to lab listeners. Give me y'all thoughts on this. Bring this up. We're going to have this. And we're going to spread this into the next segment. With that, stick with us. We're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to get a little more in this dialogue. Um, and then the second half of the show, we're going to break down some conference thoughts. What do you think in terms of the conference top three teams? We'll get a little more of that. Because I'm going to play another game that we ended the show last week. We will bring that back. I told you a homework assignment. You know, I tease you a little bit. I always start my lectures. And then I ask for the homework because I like to mess with folks a little bit in the classroom. So they come in because they know already when you hit my classroom, the homework is mm -hmm. supposed to be on the end of the table. It's already turned in. We don't talk about that till later in, the, in terms of the course lecture. But we start the new lecture, and then we come back and get you and catch you up and make sure that you are uh, prepared. That's how I make sure folks are immersed in the lecture. So stick with us. We'll be right back at this moment, and we're going to get Roy's thoughts on the loaded question I just gave him. This is Dr. Mills <laughs> inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Stick with us, and we'll be right back after this break. Oh, man. Nice picture. Pretty good. Yeah, that is. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. 
from the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. The Cuvée Group is a Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team if they want a lot left. And who the ball? ball. So listen to Professor Yesler and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Laville inside the HBC Sports Lab. Man, but the mid-breaks are just full of a lot of information. Man, and a lot of new tricks they got going on, boy. Roy, you're a genius, and all your team members, genius as well. I really appreciate working with you. I can't say that enough. With that being said, with enough teeth, let me put it back out there, and obviously I won't be as long with it now because everybody heard it. Did, does the MEAC conference not individual institutions that we talked about, not the regions, you know, did the MEAC have a collective culture? What do you say, Ro? I would have to say no. Um, and, and basically that was because of the footprint of the conference. And, um, you know, the, their football is driven by regional rivalries. It, it's driven by opportunities to go visit your rivals, you know, being close to them, being engaged with some of the stuff that they're doing and dealing with. Um, and I think the other thing from a, and let, let's look at football. We'll start off looking at football, go to something else that Mike likes to talk about. We talk about tailgating. Well, you have to think about it. When you're in Florida, you tailgate all the way through December. <laughs> you know, some of these schools in the MEAC, depending on what the year is like, they've got to stop tailgating in October, you know, and if it's a rough September, they, you know, you never know what they do. So they don't have the same, I don't think they have the same vigor, um, the same enthusiasm as the Southern schools had. And it, and it just became something that started to wear on it. Um, I think the MEAC being in the, being in that mid Eastern athletic area where the bulk of the schools were, were dominated by by basketball as well. That was something else that they spent a lot more time <clears throat> focusing on because, of course, it's an indoor sport, and so they're they're spending time throughout mm. the year being able to engage in that sport. But yeah, they you you just didn't have the opportunity. I mean, because if you look at the schools that if they had split into divisions, a north and a south division years ago, fam, you always had good attendance when it came to South Carolina State, North Carolina A&T, of course, Bethune-Cookman. But outside of that, it was never anything that seemed like it was really 
must-see action, you know, that we, we had to be at this game. So I think that hurt the culture um, that could have been built, but it, the, the footprint was too wide for the fan base to really get engaged in. Right, because part of the culture mix I talk about is that engagement. Mm-hmm. That and, and I speak about that. I'm talking about a cohesive uh, collective conference culture that exists. So, Mike, obviously um, you've traveled through that area, but I don't want you to necessarily speak on the MEAC. I'm going to let A.D. Drew give his perspective on what that looks like. But if you could talk about uh, your experience uh, growing up in the SWAC, and is, is that true in terms of that mm. culture being much more cohesive, as well as the time that you spent, you know, in Georgia looking at the SIC that has a pretty cohesive culture? Uh, if you would, kind of mix in those two parts of it. Uh, sure, Dr. Cavill. And I, I would say that the SWAC is more cohesive. Their, their tradition is embedded a lot in the heritage and the history, the rich history of each of each of those institutions. And each of those institutions has its own unique culture and the collective whole has made bonded together and made one kind of uniform, cohesive culture. It is driven by not only the tailgate, but even on the gridiron, the types of play football play, what happens before and after during a game and event tailgating is all as as uh, as my good friend there alluded to, is almost a, a half year long event. There are family family get togethers structured around the rivalries there. Uh, there's tradition in the players that came out. Um, so and it's not just about football. You listen to the old days and you listen to those folks talk about Pete Richardson and the baseball culture at Southern and at other schools in the SWAC and the track and field culture. Um, there is a it seems like there's much more of a streamlined, defi- definable cultural history that is is part of what we know as the SWAC, whereas the MEAC, uh, because of their their footprint and how spread out they are. I don't know if you see that same streamlined cultural effect in the MEAC that you see in the SWAC. Not to say that it's not there, but it looks different. It's on the East Coast. I think there, to be honest, uh, uh, he was right. There's much more, a little bit more of a basketball culture because of the East Coast uh, vibe. The homecomings, have the, you know, culturally, going back years, have a different feel than they do at the SWAC. A SWAC homecoming is much different than a, a CIAA, an SIS, and I've been to all of them. Just, and that goes back 15, 20 years. Those homecomings have a different feel than the ones you'll see in other conferences. And that's why I say it's, you know, the, the, the heritage, the culture, it is deeply embedded. In, and if you look at how those, those, the uh, institutions were formed historically, we could spend a whole show on that. And that goes into play into the SWAC culture from my perspective. Appreciate that. And as I set you up, A.D. Drew, I want you to listen to this part of it because you'll be able to give us the MEAC, the SIAC, and the SWAC to some degree as you moved in and you started to experience that culture. But I want to touch on the CIAA because they play basketball too, but it's not as spread out. But they hone in on the collective culture of basketball and then play it out through football and other sports. So that's why I'm saying that not only is it different, I'm specifically saying that the cohesiveness of the culture in the MEAC did not exist. Not saying that there weren't great rivalries and good matchups and that the conference was strong. Obviously, we see that play out. But I'm specifically looking at the culture, and this was what I said, that in a lot of ways, much like uh, the Midwestern Conference back in the 20s, um, that uh, was spread out and had a different framework of culture. For example, the SWAC had one of the collective cultures in the 1920s. And I believe it literally changed into a different collective culture in the 1960s. And then again in the 2000s when you had the SWAC championship game come on board that brought the other teams in, such as Alabama A&M and Arkansas Pine Bluff after being in its Arkansas A&M and N. Uh, changing the name there uh, in 2000s. And I would suggest that you're about to see and enter into this next chapter of the 101 plus years of a new culture that will exist that will bring on part of the old SWAT culture of the 2000s 
and bring in some of the fresh culture associated with Florida, family of Bethune Cookman to create this new culture. And if they able to do that, black will thrive. So it's not Absolutely. just a different culture, but it's understanding that cultures can evolve. And I'm not sure since the 1970s that that culture really took place. You think that evident in terms of FAMU about how they were um, needing FAMU and Bethune Cookman to come in to just get to the league uh, being able to get the automatic bid. So it was, it was almost like a, un, I don't want to say unnatural, but it was a forced mix in terms of the relationship based on the need of the outcome of the desire of getting automatic bid, not necessarily this natural uh, regional type of collective that took place. And I'm not saying it's bad again, but I'm looking at culture, collective culture for that. So the last thing I'll say before I ask you to get your thoughts on this, A.D. Drew, Another example, as I said, the CIAA had a unique conference collective culture of the 1910s, and it had to regenerate its next culture in the 1970s when those teams left. Some of them came back, whatever, and it's been able to foster a unique culture. A lot of it focused on basketball, but it's been able to even resonate that out as they grow football in a lot of ways. The same could be said, as I say, with SIC, which is more of where I want to get A.D. Drew's thoughts on this along with his MIAC thoughts. And again, this is not referencing a Africana diasporic culture, a collective African-American black culture that we talked about, or even an HBCU culture or a collective HBCU sports culture, a regional state culture that I kind of open with. Again, I'm specifically talking about a conference collective culture. What do you say, A.D. Well, uh, First of all, thanks for letting me join uh, Tardy, uh Doc. Please don't uh, take any points off my uh, grade at the end of the semester. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, on, it's on the syllabus. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, getting back, that culture that you're talking about, Doc, is pretty much built on rivalries, which are regional. For us, especially when it comes to football and when it gets down to the ancillary sports, basketball, baseball, softball, other things, you know, take a look at the SWAC. The one thing that's good about the SWAC, if you draw a four-hour radius around most of the schools in the SWAC, there are three, four, five schools within that radius around just about every school in the SWAC that builds that regional rivalry. That's what makes the SWAC so good. That's what makes the CIAA so good. Because if you 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 go four hours around any of those schools in the CIAA, you've got six, seven of those other, other, other schools within the conference. SIAC, if you look at the SIAC East, yes, you got five schools in the state of Georgia in the SIAC East. And then you've got two just outside that footprint. The SIAC East has that culture versus the SIAC West, which is struggling a little bit to get to get to that culture outside mm-hmm. of your Tuskegee and miles. That really is that culture. It does not exist in the SIAC West. That's what was lacking in the MEAC. You had what I like, I almost want to call them forced rivalries. Yeah. You had your natural rivalries, your, uh, your fam, you Bethune, your A&T central Hampton before they left with Norfolk. And I could go on and on, but you know, outside that D.C. corridor with those four or five teams up there in D.C., no one else fit into that model where you had three, four or five teams in a four-hour radius that you could build not only your natural rival, but those ancillary rivals, which is that's what makes the SWAC so great. That's what makes the CIAA so great when it comes to that culture. Appreciate it. Yeah. So we're up against it. We're going to take our next break. The last thing I will say is this is not to – Dump on the MEAC. Again, I said that the MEAC uh, has a chance and I believe will continue to thrive. In fact, I think the geographic tightness of this new formation of the conference will actually help create that culture cohesiveness that we speak of. And so adding um, some a HBCU in that region or another school outside of it, uh, HWCU, um, in a lot of Way specifically for baseball to keep that collective because I think what they're doing outside of it is fine. They'll be able to distribute more money to the institutions that I talk about. The only part that they need some help in is with baseball. And as I alluded to, one of the things they're able to do um, in terms of NCAA rules 
is you can have a division two classify one particular sport outside of basketball and football up a divisional level. You see it with Dallas Baptist. I was talking about for baseball. You see it with uh, university of North Alabama in terms of hockey. And you see it with other baseball and hockey teams that specifically uh, allow one particular program, hockey, baseball, for example, to play at the division one level while the rest of the teams play at division two. So that's something I, I would love to see. You have the natural one that exists with Virginia State uh, that is an independent baseball program right now um, that would be a natural fit before you have the one program that plays at the divisional level uh, that would be a natural geographic, regional, uh, and rival fit for Norfolk State in baseball and create um, the necessary uh, programs with, and finding one additional program to do that with uh, that could go a long way in solidifying uh, that collective conference culture for the MEAC. So I did want to say that. Uh, with that, I know Roy is going to receive uh, back in the back. He does that. I'm going to let him make the statement, and then we'll move on with the second part of the show. Yeah, thank you. I, I did want to say something about that. Um, as we look at this, what is going to be new MEAC that is going to be coming, um, and I, I think at this point we can, we can pretty much say, you know, hey, Towards the end of the year, we know Dr. Thomas is, is transitioning out. Um, he's probably, you know, going to kind of make this like a farewell tour. I don't think they're going to try to make any any major swings. But that means that I don't think they're going to make any major swings that they're wanting us to see. If we don't think these conversations are being had already, you're, you're sadly mistaken. We, we know that there has to be some sort of move that can get them right now. There are six schools playing football. You spoke about the baseball thing that they need to get get right. And if they can get three more, you know, really two more two more football playing teams or two more programs that come in, um, I think they can do some stuff. And, you know, Doc, we, we've talked about this, and I know you and I have had this conversation. I really think what needs to happen is that our, our four major – or, excuse me, our five major HBCU conferences – and then these outlying schools who are mostly NAIA, there are a couple of NCAAs who are out there, need to do a summit. They need to sit down because we still, as an HBCU product, have what these other schools, even in these FCS conferences, don't have. We've got over 100 years of history that they can reach back to. We've got five generations of fans when most FCS programs are literally working on their, or, or just finishing their first generation, maybe into their second generation of fans being around, meaning that they've been playing quote unquote football for 30 years. And that's it. And I don't think we really understand how impactful, when you talk about that culture, how impactful that has been over the generations and what that could do. And I think if we were able to find a way to get a cohesive, HBCU product that that bo handles both Division One, Division Two, um, AIA, however they want to deal with it, where they can bring them all together and create those rivalries that we had back in the day. You know yeah. those, those things that that you had that your grandma used to talk about, your granddad used to talk about. You know, Great Uncle Joe telling you about how he ran old, you know, ran for three hundred yards on fan on that day that nobody ever see the game again. You know, they, they had cameras back in my day, you know. They, so. <laughs> See, that's, why, that's, why, that's why we keep uh, Rod behind the camera. He makes sense. Uh -huh. He doesn't pay any attention to the rules of engagement in terms of our yeah. time. So yeah. uh, we are late upon this second stop, but that's okay. We went into a little overtime, cut some time out. But that was important information to be said. So with that being said, stick with us. We'll be right back on the second half of the show. We're going to talk a little more about this conference updates, and I have a different spin that you heard me talk about the homework assignment. So I want to see how many of the lab listeners out there did their homework, and I want to give a special shout-out to Troy Lamont Coleman, who's just giving me a hard time, but I love it. He said, I think I figured out what happened Tuesday between one of two things. One, you made a huge typo, and two, aliens invaded your body, and they put you put us here. Which is no <laughs> doubt about it. I agree it. Stick with us. We'll be back. I got more exciting information that people can debate on and talk about whether uh, I did a typo or the aliens took over my body. We'll find out about it. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break.
It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Carlos Brown letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Coles Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net. And on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc. and I Compress the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want to love yeah, and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yessa, yes, and pay attention, because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBCU Sports Live with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Charles Bishop is out on assignment, and so we have A.D. Drew in the studio with us opining some of this great information, and that is A.D. Drew of the beef, uh, excuse me, sports rap with Brian and A.D., as they like to say around these parts, um, and just giving the updates. Check out their show. They're going live now on Wednesday uh, at the time slot. We have a six, so you Doc, have a seamless flow, so check that out. I think that's coming this Doc, way. Doc, uh, just got the memo from uh, my other half, Brian, and We've we've decided we're going to actually run uh, go midday Thursday and do our live show on Sunday now on Sunday okay. evening. Nice. Right. So they'll be doing right. twice a week. Uh, to get you prepared to wrap up things after a hot Saturday, we'll do right. it in the morning and they'll close it down on the evening. So that should be fascinating to see what's going on there. Make sure Good you leave us something to talk about. Fresh off the tape, so y'all know what's going on. So keep up with us. We're moving. So go make sure you get your information. That's for sure. With that being said, I gave all of y'all some homework. And I've seen some people posted in here. You can post your homework now. I told you it's supposed to be on the table. You're going to get the uh, points deducted. I will give you that F squared in your life. You know, that's what we do around these parts. And if you hadn't heard, ask my students yet. I can put an F squared in your life. And that means that you uh, are worse than an L. That is pretty bad. And whenever you get an F squared on your transcript, you can forget it. It's no rebounding from that. And uh, I will make sure that I make your life miserable. So it's best when you come to my class, when you come to the lecture class with us in here, that you do your homework when it's put on the table. With that said, which is the toughest? Six-member MEAC. Six-member SWAC Eastern Division. Or the six-member Western Division, which is the toughest. We'll get a chance to break this down in a couple of weeks because we're going to release the poll ranking for the mid-major division, which includes the Division II programs and NAIA. We want to make sure they get to love, so we're going to separate them with a lot of space so we can really dig into that, and we'll bring A.D. Drew back for that dialogue as well. But let me start with you, Drew, since you guessed. You know, we're going to be polite and good company. Got to be nice to company. Yeah, you might just, you might just, 
six member me at because you know Mike ain't always nice. He come in there with the with them boys. That, that, you know, oh that's right, we don't hate him more. Let me be quiet on it if I get him in trouble. The jurisdiction is not. <laughs> he wasn't always nice coming in them late sessions. Man, <laughs> who wants a piece of the rock? Oh man, oh man, this is crazy. With that said, no. six member me at. Go ahead, Mike. I know I got you in trouble. No, I got you. In trouble. Uh, you want me or AD? I thought we were going to let I'm gonna go, go with first. AD. Yeah, we're going to let AD first. Six-member MIAC, six-member SWAG Eastern Division, or six-member Western Division. Which is the toughest of the three? You don't have to be politically correct. Tell me. Yeah. Uh, just in case I get this wrong, what page in the syllabus is the forgiveness policy <laughs> for this uh, university? That's what I need to know. Because you know, without their forgiveness policy, I wouldn't have Chris the degrees I have. No. It's on page two of the syllabus where it says no late homework. <laughs> I will put you out of class if you on the phone. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. No, but seriously, no, Doc. Uh, when you think about the six-member MEAC, SWAC East, SWAC West. SWAC East. And I don't even think it's close. I think it's the SWAC East by a significant margin over the uh, over the other two conferences. Um, if I have to go next, I have to go SWAC West in the middle and the MEAC uh, bring it up the rear. You know, when you look at the MEAC, first of all, everybody knows it's South Carolina State's conference to lose. Norfolk, I think Norfolk may be a year away. Surprise Central wasn't uh higher in the ranking, so but what 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 else do you have in the MEAC after, after those three that you legitimately think is going to compete? You look at the SWAC East, all six teams could realistically win the SWAC, and it would not surprise anyone. Yeah, it may make some fans upset that their team didn't win. But it really would not surprise anyone if anybody in that East comes out comes out of it. The West, pretty probably a, a, a three team uh, three team race. Prairie View, Alcorn, Southern. I, and well, we'll say a four team race. Pine Bluff. You got four teams in there that are expected to to compete in the, in the West. Yeah, Grambling has a tradition, but people uh, people realistically probably focus on Grambling being a year away. But that's just my two cents uh, on it, Doc. I hope that's uh, hope I at least get an eighty on on my uh, grade with uh, that one. No, I think it was it was sufficient. I think you broke it down and provided rationale for uh, what you did. There's no necessarily correct answer until after the season. We we'll get to see that, but right now. I measure your information based on your ability to support with supporting evidence. You know, that's the old thing that I always talk about in the class is until you get your doctorate and even with your doctorate, you always use references when you make your theorized statement. So you did that. You provided your framework and your reference points. So I can appreciate that. Let me give a shout out to Karen Griffin because I'm a big hip hop head, but as much as that, I'm a jazz folk. And she gives a shout out to saxophone great Clarence Clemens who attended University of Maryland Eastern Shore. So anybody does that, I have to give a shout out to. Jerome Jeep Sutton says SWAC is the toughest division. Mary Allen says SWAC East is who she reps. Kay Johnson says SWAC East is the beast. Uh, Historically, the SWAC West, but currently SWAC East, as Varick Williams jumps in there and provides a little historic framework to that. I like that. Great job, Varick. Ken Clark says Valley wouldn't be a surprise. And I see about I'm looking at the feed too, Doc, and I see about two or three people uh commenting on, on me saying Valley. Yes, I could see Valley <laughs> could compete and winning. We're talking Valley? We're yes, talking we're talking Valley. Valley. Really? And, 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 we're talking and Valley. <laughs> now you, you asked for me to tell you why to give you my frame of thought. No, that's 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 what and, 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 and I'm and I'm gonna say this because I know it's time for us to go to the break, so I'll be brief. All hold the on. top dogs no, no, will be on. beating up on each other. Let me finish up with some shout-outs to these okay. folks. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back and let Mike have it, and then we'll let you come back and respond. So we're going to go back and forth just like we do in the 
debate style. Everybody get an opportunity. We got a yeah. shout out with Dwight Morrison expected. I expect the Swag East to be the toughest. Alabama AM, Bama State family, Bethune Cookman, JSU come um, on Man Valley. I see where you're saying where you got it. Stephen Gates is at Valley. White boy, uh, let's see who else in there. Man, all he, oh, finally, G Boom said, Holly said, Swag West followed closely by the Swag Oh, G Boom. Swag and West gets the love here. I, I love drunk. it. I love it when genius <laughs> comes to the forefront. <laughs> Valley is gritty, no doubt about it. Uh, so we got it coming. Well, AD just got invaded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good stuff. We'll be I right got to see myself, Doc, Doc, after Mike gets his in. Yeah, yeah, I will. We'll make sure you get it in. Uh, Dr. Bill's inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Shit, in for Charles Bishop is none other than AD bringing in some love and being invaded, uh, as Troy says, along with myself. This is getting interesting. Not a lot of love, I'm so surprised with that. With that being said, invaded, <laughs> invaded or violated. <laughs> Man, get us up out of here while these folks talk yes. about it. Please, we'll be right back after week break. <laughs> Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. This is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together we can be the change. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're gonna tell you if your team, if they wanna love that. So listen to Professor uh, yes, sir, yes, and sir. pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop. Sitting in for Charles Bishop is none other than A.D. Drew. A.D., we left off with you. Great place that you said that. But we're going to Mike and see what he says in terms of those three. Mike. Jones says Alcorn was the beast of the East and will be the best of the West. <laughs> Barrett quickly jumped in and said, no, no easy games in the West. No more open weeks before SU like in the past. Uh-oh, shots fired. This is going to get good. Mike, what do you say? You know, and, and, and I'm going to go back to my two years in law school. There's a simple question they ask. What's the call to question? The question is, which six-member team is not which could be, which was, which is <laughs> all right. So, the best is in the West. Why do I say that? Yes, I did my homework. First of all, you now have not had you now have the if you look at the SWAC champions going back 10, you can go back 15 years. 90% of them now, actually, 92.3% now sit in the SWAC West. Did he say 92.3%? 92.3%. You look at the East, and, and you have to factor in who won the MEAC, what they looked like 10 years ago, and are they coming? Well, the last folks to win the MEAC were teams named North Carolina A&T, who's not in this equation. So now you're bringing in FAM, and you're bringing in Bethune. You also have to factor in a lot of X factors. You don't know how Alabama and MT is still going to look now that they're, they're going in now that they got to face a new look J state team. You don't know what the X factor is with Valley. They've improved, but how good they will be. But you do know on past precedents that now the SWAC West, as it looks like now has 92.3% of the last 10. No, I'm sorry. Last 15 SWAC champions. That's saying something. That's all you have to go on folks with COVID with, with what we play 
with one, one, one and a half recruiting cycles, you don't know what team has what. Teams may look totally different. Is Alcorn State going to be the same Alcorn? They may. You know from history that they have a propensity to reload. So now you have to look. Yeah, the little old 15 cent word. That's all right. But you know that they have a propensity to reload. So looking at who has the best team based on historical and their ability to reload. Oh, by the way, it is a four, I say four and a half team race because Texas Southern is always an X factor. But you got a four and a half. So I call them my half. And you got the other four teams. You got Alcorn State. You got Southern. You got Prairie View. You you got you don't know what the heck Grambling's going to do, but uh, you you arguably have a four horse race at any point, and that is, is going to be a serious matchup and has championship implications. Whereas in the East, it's going to be about matchups. It's going to be a show because you got fam coming in. You got of course Coach Prime. Going to be a show. Going to be some good matchups, but just about statistically. More matchups in the West will have championship implications. So that's why I say it will be the SWAC West. They are the best in the West. Remember, 92.3%. G-Boom, Holly said, tell them, Mike. Karen Griffin, put down it. 90.3, 92.3%. I'll pin that to the top. <laughs> preach, Mike. Karen Griffin said that. <laughs> and she's loving the 50 cent, 15 cent word. <laughs> <laughs> Sam UNBC, so they're coming in fast. And I know, A.D., you want a chance to retort before we get to the second question. So make it quick because we are on top of the hour. All right. Now, everybody cutting into me for saying even Valley has an opportunity to win the East. First of all, I've already said no one will go undefeated. No one will go winless. Let's keep that in mind. All of these big boys are going to beat up on each other. They, uh, both the A&Ms, Alabama and Florida, will beat up on each other. St- Alabama State. Everybody will beat up on each other. You're going to look up and come mid to end of October, Valley will be relevant. And, I, and I'm saying it, Valley will be relevant. Here's why I'm telling you Valley will be relevant. Look at Valley's schedule. <laughs> Valley is the classic trap game for everybody. In the East, in the swag. And those of y'all who saying that Valley doesn't have a chance, y'all said this about UAPB last year. Let's go on to the next question. We oh, said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. We mic? said, no, three mic? years ago, three years, three years ago, we said, watch out for Valley. Where did Valley end up? Bottom of the East. <laughs> Two years ago, we said, watch out for Valley. Where did they end? Bottom of the East. Now we're saying it again. We're talking about statistically. Wait, wait, they have you, not, wait a minute. Insert UAPB into that same sentence. And you said that up until April of this year. So right, maybe oh, Valley oh, oh. is a team that's one year old. Let me get into the next one because we run out of time. And I want to get this in. I want to get this in for the top of the hour. Now, based on your arguments, you all talked about the t- how deep the league is. Now we're going to focus on the top three teams in terms of the toughest top three teams. And we're going to add in the independents to make this even more interesting. Which is the toughest when you just look at the top three teams in the above? So the top three teams in the MEAC, the top three teams in the SWAC Eastern Division, the, SWAC, the top three teams in the SWAC Western Division, and the top three teams in the independent, which are just three, North Carolina A&T out of the Big South, coming into the Big South ranked third preseason. Tennessee State at OVC out of their six-member teams, they're ranked fifth. And you have Hampton that comes in seventh. So if you factor in the independent out of those three, which becomes the toughest? I'm going to stay with you, Mike, and then we'll let AD jump in here. Now, if you just focus on the top three, not looking at the depth of each division, which we did first, but the top in terms of how tough is the top of each of these, top three, which is the order that you have it. You gave me Swag West, Swag East, and then the MEAC. What do you say now when I rearrange the question? I still say, uh, I still say it the same way. 
I don't, okay. I don't I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep kiss keep it simple. I'm gonna still say it. Swag West, Swag East, then independent. Uh what what has Hampton done <laughs> in the big south? If you talk about it, look go back five years and look at where they finished. Yeah, uh, the only argument you can make is Tennessee State. They finished at best fourth at in the OVC. Um, and, the, and that was a couple of years ago. So, uh, yes, you are adding North Carolina A&T, and they will make a bigger splash. But in terms of the top three, I keep it simple. Swack West. Ooh, A.D. Drew, you said Swack East, Swack West, and then the MEAC. Now I've rearranged the deck. And now you got to talk about the top because you were also looking, focusing at the depth, which I like doing the homework. You did it appropriately as well. But now I'm asking you to rethink the question. Now I want to know toughest when you look at the top three, include the independents. Do you have a different rearrangement when you look at that way? What do you say? I have a slight different uh, rearrangement because all all one, two, three, four of those different options that you gave us, the number one and the, the number two are clearly defined. The question is, who has the strongest number three? And Bingo. I, I honestly think Bingo. Swack West has the strongest number three. Facts, facts, hashtag facts. Thank you. I agree you know, with you there. And, and the reason I say the Swack East doesn't have the strongest number three, because you've got three to four teams who could be your number three. Whereas, you know, the two A&Ms are, go- are your ones and your two. In the SWAC, in the SWAC West, you know, Southern Alcorn is your one and your two. Who, and, and Prairie View is probably your three. Clearly defined. You don't know who your three is in the SWAC East. That's why I have to flip those two in this scenario. Bingo. Facts. Man, I like it. This is your chance. Do you want to rebut any of that? It sounds like you're aligned with this, Mike, in terms of – No, I know. I, 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 I disagree with his valley notion, but I d- agree with his point here, and that's what I was looking at, and that's why I brought up Hampton. Who, how strong is your number three? You're going to have a pretty decent one and two, but how strong is your number three? Right. And in, and in the MEAC, is your number three central or is it, D, or is it Dale State? Uh, great point. Great point. You know, great point. Yeah. And, and you add that tough part of the question. Yeah. Um, my guy, my guy is just Troy is just on it. He said Hampton and TSU is dragging us A and T down, shaking my head. <laughs> uh, G. Boo Holly throws a little mixture in there. He says he has uh, Swack West, Swack East, Independent, and then Miak. Man, he's dropped Miak low. He has yeah. in the Miak. Wait a minute, you mean he's taking Tennessee State over a Miak? Exactly. (laughs) Toughest top three for Dwight Morris is Swack West. He has SU Alcorn. As you said, he has a UAPV slash PV. Yes. Swack is clearly defined, as you said. A&M FAMU, he has with Bill Cookman, uh, clearly defined there. Is PVAMU better than Jackson State? Good question, Michael Ford. Last couple of years on the field, Jackson State has got it done against PV. Uh, so, point made, West Trudy Jackson says, all corn SUPV. Uh, good information out here. A lot of folks did their homework. I'm, I'm really glad. We're going to give an A-plus to the class today in terms of the daily assignment, man. Y'all got in here, got it done. That'll do it for us this week. Chime in. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure you just do your reading this week, and we'll come back with the lecture next Tuesday. We'll let Charles and Mike drive the ship. We might sneak in AD a little bit. As I will be out on assignment, I might sneak in for just a 15-minute and surprise you and let you know what I'm doing on assignment as I continue to put in the work. With that, thank you for listening to Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Kabil, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Watson, Charles Bishop, and A.D. Drew. Today, we hope you enjoyed our dialogue today about top six top three good job everybody doing the homework let's keep it going again we want to thank you for listening to dr bill's inside hbcu sports lab we might watch charles bishop every tuesday and thursday at six o'clock and don't forget before the end of the month we're gonna have our sunday edition coming on at nine o'clock look at mike just laugh look forward to next week as we update this in the news what got you tickled mike oh dwight moore said drug test ad <laughs> 
follow me, Dr. Spidalikville, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Twitter, inside the HBC Sports Lab 1. Make sure you keep up with us. We give you a lot of information over there, updates. Join in. And make sure you join us on Twitter as we're going to get hot and fucky and deep into it. Make sure you join us on Instagram. We give you good clips so you can really jump in and get some of the segments that you like and you can spread it around for us. On Facebook, YouTube, you know it, inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you like, subscribe, get us on YouTube so you can get it anytime you desire. With that being said, dream big and continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. AD? Course. Mike? Lecture. Dismissed.